0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player and everything's gonna be perfect. All of our fans think that, you all think that, that's what you write about.
1: You don't want to be here, there's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like
0: I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. But at the same time, we're not going to take with shit either.
1: We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play.
2: Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey. hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat!
0: I want Judy!
2: I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! You want it? Do you want it? Show me! But Judah did it again! Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton, and I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Voz on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. what's going on? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane. Doing a hell of a lot better than old Joe Moorhead.
1: Ouch. Yeah, Joe got it, didn't he? Got that big old axe. We thought he was clear. Not so fast, my friend. Yes,
2: yeah, so we had to hop on, and we're doing this one late. This may be a little bit of a quicker pie, but we just really had to get thoughts on Joe Moorhead out there in Starkville after two seasons. Got a winning overall record. I know they had a 6-7 uh, and seven record this last season, but... Overall winning record, 2-0 and in the Egg Bowl, but he's out after two years, and you see that, you know, this is a growing trend here in college football with uh, Willie Taggart out at Florida State, Chad Morris out at Arkansas each after two years, now Joe Moorhead, but it seems like, you know, every situation's unique, but Joe Moorhead's is just so unique to me because he's beaten the arch rival, he's getting to the postseason, didn't win any of those games, but... I don't know, Shane. Thoughts on this one? Mistake by Mississippi State, the right call. What are your what were your thoughts? And I know we kind of teased this on the last podcast, but to me it was still 50 50 when we were talking about it. And, and then it was just only hours later he was gone. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. I mean,
1: postseason play was big for this university, and just the fact that uh, they made it there, they beat Ole Miss, you know, there was some momentum, granted. With uh, the bearded trader getting knocked out, and and the way the performance that they actually had in in the postseason game against Louisville, you know, it, it was it was a little embarrassing, but it wasn't crazy embarrassing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, this one surprised me. Um, you know, I tried to I tried to make it about wins and losses but i don't think that's what this i think there's something else here mike um you know maybe we're going to start hearing some some stories leak out here before too long but this this feels like an internal matter that just could not either either joe was having a real tough time seeing eye to eye with ad here or, or or some of the boosters or something uh you know he's He's a Pittsburgh man, and, and you know how them PA people are, Mike. We've got a lot in our family. They get fired up, and they, they're they bullheaded sometimes, and, and maybe he just wasn't able to fit into the system at Mississippi State.
2: Yeah, and I think that was an issue initially. Obviously, we that's something we kind of hit on, the, given the fact that a lot of people didn't know if he was going to be able to recruit. I think he answered those questions, but at the same time, it was maybe a culture fit. That was an issue. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the biggest things that, uh, if you want to say, Mississippi State made the right move, you know, it was interesting that when he did arrive down there in Starkville, he inherited such a good team. And I know Nick Fitzgerald had that significant injury. I think that really set them back. And, of course, I'm going back to 2018 season because he just didn't really get the offseason to learn Joe Moorhead's system. But – You know, when he arrived, if you remember, Shane, he said something like, you know, let's get our ring sizes, you know what I mean, because we're going to win some championships here, and now we're two years down the road, and that final presser, I can't remember if it was after the Egg Bowl or if it was after the bowl game, but he referenced, you know, we got two top 25 classes, you know, we're reaching the postseason, we're beating Ole Miss, and that's a significant step down in my opinion from when you arrive get our championship rings ready to it's almost like that what we we're hearing from must champ this off season where he's trying to find excuses for why he's doing such a good job so you know maybe that's just coach speak maybe that's what he's got to say but it 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 does show that there was kind of a significant step down in my opinion in just the 2 year window yeah and I actually got in trouble here on Twitter, Shane, <laughs> like I always do. Uh, Old Miss people found some, you know, a tweet that I had that uh, when Matt Luke got fired, I said, you know, the momentum of that program, I don't think they should have let him go. And I still, you know, I stand by that. I didn't think that was the right call. Obviously I didn't know they yeah. were going to hire Lane Kiffin. Now they got all the momentum in the world, but hell, they haven't won any games. So it's not like they're doing a damn victory parade right now in Oxford like they're, about to win the sec. So that remains to be seen. But at the same time, I said something about, you know, if Joe Moorhead was going to get fired eventually, which I think he was no matter, you know, I'm talking one year down the line, two years down the line, Mm -hmm. what have you, if that's where this was going and that's what it certainly looked like, you may as well get rid of him now because otherwise you're just setting yourself back, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road. So that's what I said. old Miss people pretty fired up. But still saying that, I don't know if I personally would have fired Joe Moorhead because I don't think, I don't know. I just don't know if two years enough time. We have seen enough of his coaching to know, you know, it's not like he was losing to Arkansas. I don't know. It just seems like we've seen it where a coach comes into the SEC and he's totally overwhelmed. I get Uh that. I never got the sense that Joe Moorhead was overwhelmed. I got the sense that, You know his his offense didn't quite adjust to the SEC, and that really hindered him. Uh, But Mm -hmm. and and there was I think there was a lot of issues with the fan support. So if you want to say that was reason for firing him, I'm not going to argue that. And and maybe that is the final reason. But aside for that, I just think that what Mississippi State has now done to their future candidates to come in there to replace Joe Moorhead, they're saying beating Ole Miss, going to the postseason, that's not good enough for us. Who are you going to get to bring in there that says, oh, yeah, you got to play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M's turned into a monster. Uh, Lane Kiffin just arrived at Ole Miss, and you better beat Lane Kiffin every year, and you better go to the postseason. And even if you do that, we may fire your ass. I just don't know how (laughs) attractive that job is now that they've done this to Joe Moorhead.
1: I, maybe, maybe, I, I think I don't want to read too much into it. Cause we don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes. You know, mm-hmm. if I, if I fired somebody and then I brought somebody else and they're like, wait a minute, why was that other cat here for two years? And I may say, you know, well, it's because ABC, you know, right. it wasn't about the wins and loss. I mean, th- we're hiring you here to win. We're hiring you here to recruit, but you know, there's, there's also, you know, category C that we need to take you know that that we have to we have to work together because if we're i mean I don't again I don't want to speculate on what exactly happened but it it just feels like something there you know cuz you had trader That whole situation and it it turned into a fiasco. Mm. It felt like, and it just felt like it bowled over into the uh, into the bowl game here. And and and, uh, who knows what phone calls Joe may have got after this game and how he you know how he retaliated. There's just it's all speculation. But the thing about Joe is as far as talent as far as coaching you know i mean he's he's been behind the eight ball since he got here i mean granted he did have some talent on defense when he got here, but he's, he's an offensive guy, you know, he still didn't have all his pieces in yet. And in, he definitely didn't have it year two. And again, the team was hindered by a lot of scholarship athletes, not able to perform because of the, the sanctions they received. So, I mean, it just felt like he never got a fair shake Mississippi state. So I'm not willing to say he's a bad coach. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that he's a good coach with everything that he got dealt this season and still able to make postseason play. I, I think that's a – I mean, you can't – if you're just talking X's and O's, wins and losses, I think he keeps his job. But that's what makes me think that there's something else behind the scenes that we're not, uh, you know, previewed to, you know?
2: Yeah, and I think you, you're probably dead on there, Shane. So let's jump over to Mississippi State AD John Cohen, who kind of suggests exactly what you're talking about. Uh, John Cohen, though, uh, you know, a man of integrity. He's not going to air Joe Moorhead or Mississippi State's dirty laundry, so to speak. And by no means am I saying like some kind of scandalous thing, but just, you know, behind the scenes, maybe some inner workings not working out. John Cohen repeatedly here says, you know, a series of events uh, for kind of the reason for letting Joe Moorhead go. So let's kick it over to John Cohen on uh, the decision and you know, the, his record, did that play a effect on Mississippi State's recent signees? You know, that's a big question. Are they going to let these kids out of their letter of intent? On uh, Joe Moorhead, did he lose the team when they're talking in terms of discipline? And then finally, on the next coach, being scared off potentially by Joe Moorhead's firing, kind of like I suggested, John Cohen talked about that as well.
1: John, Joe's a guy that finished 14 and 12, three straight, top 25 recruiting
0: classes, one two Egg Bowls. Why the change now? Yeah, certainly, you know, wins and losses matter. I coached long enough myself to know wins and losses matter, um, and Joe did win 14 games. Uh, in this case, it goes a little bit beyond just, just wins and losses, although I want to state for sure that, that wins and losses matter, but there were some other issues at stake here that we had to consider.
2: When you talk about some of those other issues, of course, the kind of got out there, the, the altercation in practice and whatnot, how much did that, those altercations and, and those things and the things that came to light and some of those issues, uh, how much did that factor into this?
0: Well, everything factors in. So what, what you just mentioned is, is a factor. Is it the factor? No, but it is a factor, uh, one of several factors.
1: With the bulk of the signing class already, in, what's kind of your message to those guys at, at, during this transition?
0: Yeah, we've, we have now contacted every one of our signees. Um, we know that this was a, a little bit of a, a bombshell to those guys. Um, they, You don't sign with one coach. You sign with Mississippi State University, um, and we're willing to help those folks any way that we possibly can. And we look forward to our head coach having an opportunity to sit down and have a great conversation with every one of those young men.
1: John, was there kind of a feeling uh,
2: that maybe that maybe Joe had kind of lost control internally of the team as far as discipline and accountability and some of the things that you mentioned a while ago when you said you would look for in the next coach?
0: Well, certainly I'm, I'm not going to dig uh, in deep into that but there was a series of events we had to evaluate and and we had to make uh, the right decision for Mississippi State University
1: Steve. John what's kind of the uh, the timeline there for your decision when did when did you begin thinking if you were headed down this path and ultimately when was the final decision made
0: well it's a never-ending evaluation process um, I, I, I'm not I can't I'm not gonna pinpoint an exact moment but certainly, I, I had many discussions with our, our president, Dr. Mark Keenum, uh, during the course of the week, and um, actually, you know, we're having conversations all the time even before this week. So I, I'm not sure there's an isolated moment. Uh, again, it's a it's a series of events over time.
2: That Coach Moore was going to be here. Was it just one thing that happened in the, the past month that made that change, or, or was it something you were sort of leaning towards the whole time?
0: Well, not I'm not trying to be repetitive, but it's again, it's a series of events. I think rarely is there one isolated event that that causes um, a change. I, I think I know this was a series of events that happened, and, and we, we I think we do a pretty good job of monitoring every aspect of the program. And uh, and again, it, it, we felt it was the right thing to do.
1: You said that off the field issues, along with on field problems, were reasons for the change, but. Obviously firing a guy for two years after he making bowl eligible, how would you reassure a Nets coach that this could be a spot where he could succeed even you know, if he makes two straight bowls and he's out of a job today?
0: Well, it really depends on the nature of the coach. If we get the right coach, they're going to see this as a, an incredible opportunity. With the best fans in college football, they're going to see this as a place that has incredible facilities, competing at the highest level. We've got to have the person who is not afraid to come in and compete against the best of the very best. And I think the SEC West, it's not even close when when you look at it nationally. So I think it's all about getting the right guy, the right fit, uh, who clearly understands uh, the challenges of being at this level.
2: All right, Shane. So John Cohen there talking about the firing of Joe Moorhead. I thought he came off pretty well here. You know, he didn't give any, you know, much concrete information here as you would expect. Kind of kept a lot of his stuff pretty vague here, but... At the same time, it just seems like it's almost like you're saying there's kind of more to the story than, you know, is, yeah. is being released. And that's a big part of it. And like I said, you can see it from both sides. Uh, this is a very surprising decision, the way it worked out. I mean, hell, a month ago, they were talking about extending this guy. Now, a bowl game loss later, he's out. So, you know, not a total stunner, but just a very, very interesting move. And I think more than anything, it just says where we are in college football. And where we are at Mississippi State, and it's, you know, it's relatively, it's a good thing. You know, I don't want to, I don't want Mississippi State fans to misconstrue what I'm saying here. It's not like, you know, you got a terrible program. What this says to me is, you know, the expectation there is very, very high. And that, Mm -hmm. they're setting that bar here. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. And it hasn't taken very long, Shane. Billy Napier, the top target by a lot of people there to be the next Mississippi State coach. He came out here on Sunday, says he is not a candidate. The Louisiana Lafayette coach won 10 games this year, taking his raging Cajuns to a bowl game. So certainly sounds like he is either not interested or maybe Mississippi State's not interested. I don't know. Could You got to always be careful what you hear. When you're hearing all these rumors, a lot of it comes from agents and stuff like that. So it doesn't sound like Billy Napier is going to be the guy. But, uh, you know, one name that uh, I really think Mississippi State would be wise to look at is Bill Clark, the UAB coach. I thought he did a hell of a job there with, you know, you remember that program wasn't even in existence a couple of years ago. They had to shut it down. And then it's mm-hmm. second year back winning 10 games. Uh, I thought I think Bill Clark's doing a hell of a job there. That may be a guy they get. And I think the most interesting name is uh, New England Patriots special teams coordinator Joe Judge, who I was not even really that familiar with this guy. But, uh, you know, the guy we had on the podcast from Missouri a couple weeks ago, T.J. Moe, played for the Missouri Tigers, and he spent a little time there with the New England Patriots. He told me this guy is you know, a hell of a guy, very popular up there in New England. He's been on staff with Bill Belichick for about eight years. He runs the special teams. He's a Mississippi State graduate, played at Mississippi State, coached at mm-hmm. Mississippi State, then went on to coach at uh, Alabama. And apparently the New York Giants are interviewing this Joe Judge to be a head coach. So uh, he seems to have some good credentials here in you know, if they have to go the Sam Pittman route where they got to get someone that really wants the job, I think Joe Judge might be that uh, number 1 guy. So what what are your thoughts on that? Joe Judge, mm. Bill Clark, even heard Skip Holtz, Louisiana Tech coach. Any of those names uh, pique your interest there, Shane? Not really. <laughs> None of them. I mean,
1: here you got, and let's just let's be realistic. I'm sure the, there's some good candidates out there, but you got freaking Lane Kiffin couple hours down the road. You know what I'm saying? You got Sam Pittman and Coach Odom up there in Arkansas. It's just, is that what you want? You want the judge in town? You know what I'm (laughs) saying? I just, come on, you know? I just, I would rather have Coach Odom. I'd rather Mm -hmm. extend an offer to Barry Odom and just bring him down, you know? At least he's got experience in the Mm SECs. You know, he's built the team and he's good with defense. I just think he'd be a perfect fit. He recruits the area well, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of the fans are going to want to splash you higher, but it, it's really hard to do when you know the coach that you're replacing is in the West and went to postseason play two years in a row, like you said. Mm-hmm. My, so I, I don't know. I, 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 it's going to be a short. It's going to be a short list, buddy. I'm telling you, they're going to have some names on there they'd love to have, mm-hmm. but there's only going to be a few that are a- going to answer that call. I think.
2: Speaking of splashy, I do not think this guy's a candidate, but I have seen others suggest it.
1: Don't you say it?
2: His name is his name is involved in every damn coaching search from that's out there, thanks to his agent. I think this is just more of his agent, but just want to get your thoughts on it, Shane. Butch Jones, Mississippi State. <laughs> Could you see that?
1: You know, I I think you got to do so many interviews. A year to to keep your uh, your 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 pay coming in. What's that <laughs> called? That uh, when you get fired, and you gotta. Anyway, I, I think that's what I think that's what this is. I'm not reading too much into it, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what. If Butch Jones seriously got offered it, this is man, call me nuts. And I know I've been trying to get him off the payroll forever. If you if you if if Butch Jones had an opportunity for that job. He'd be crazy not to take it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think Mississippi State would be crazy not to offer it because, he, you know, he can recruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, some people question his uh, his uh, his tactics, you know, and what he does with the talent after. But uh, it would be, uh, I don't know, it, it, maybe it's. Meant to be. I don't know. That's that's an interesting one. I thought you were going to go Coach Leach on me. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of hearing that name. I don't think the Pirates ever come in the SEC. He's just playing us. But uh, I think Butch Jones, yes. I think that would be a – I mean, would you, re- would you rather have Butch Jones or uh, Judge Dredd here, you know? <laughs> Which one would you want? Huh? Which one you want, Mike? Seriously.
2: Man, that's – that's like a rock and a hard place. I think, you know, honestly, Shane, all the jokes we make, I think you're right. SEC experience, recruiting experience, he's one at the G5 level. I don't think he'd really do much at Mississippi State, but I don't think he would, you know, well, when I say much, I mean, I don't think he's going to win the West or anything, but I don't think he would uh, destroy the program either.
1: Be cheap as hell. I mean, Tennessee's pay- flipping the bill for this guy, you know what I'm saying? You could get him for cheap and then, You know, give him an opportunity to prove himself, Mm -hmm. and then who knows? Worst case scenario, it buys you some time to get another coach if you got to, you know? And maybe he's learned something from old Nick Saban. I doubt it. What (laughs) flavor coffee (laughs) he likes, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, let me ask you on the recruiting side. Um, Man, that's a – could you imagine committing to the university and then your coach just gone? I mean, is there some sort of clause where they can back out of their deal? Or is this just, uh, you, like he said, you committed to the university? So Yeah, you're... it's
2: weird. I don't know if there's anything official because once you sign that letter of intent, you are locked in with that school. Now, there has been incidents in the past where the school will let you out of those. We're actually going to get to one of those a little bit later here, but – yeah, so it, it's on the school to do the right thing, in my opinion, and let these kids out that want to be out that maybe just signed up to play for Joe Moorhead. And I think mm-hmm. if that if that comes to pass, where we got some recruits, some signees, I should say, that signed with Mississippi State that refused to play for the new head coach, I think they'll be let out.
1: How many out of all the recruits they landed? What do you say, twenty something? How many of
2: those do you think Lane Kiffin has called? <laughs> well. Because they're signed right now, at that, that would be illegal, Shane. So, okay. So he's so, called about I, half of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, from his burner phone, he's good. He's got
1: this. <laughs> oh, geez, that's
2: awesome. All right, Shane, so we got some other coaching. new. Let's jump on down to Nashville. Make it down. Where we haven't talked a lot of Vanderbilt here lately. They obviously had the bowl season off here the last time we talked about them. They were firing both their offense and defensive coordinators. Well, They've turned around and already replaced both of those guys. And I really like both hires they made here, Shane. Uh, This offensive coordinator, you may have not heard the name. He is Todd Finch. He was at Louisiana Tech last season, but he's done a hell of a job down there. He's been down there for four seasons. And during that entire stretch, Louisiana Tech has won a bowl game each of those four seasons. Uh, The Bulldogs ranked in the top three in scoring offense in the Conference USA Three of his four years down there, so they've consistently scored quite a bit uh, in for that league anyway. Uh, They had the number thirty-six national scoring defense or scoring excuse me scoring offense in the nation this year. Uh, Then last year, his quarterback Jamar Smith was uh, named Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year, and for his career, threw for over nine thousand yards, fifty-one touchdowns. So. Uh, This is not a guy that I was familiar with all that well, but the more I looked into him after this hire, I think Vanderbilt did really well here with Todd Finch, their new offensive coordinator. And then the defensive coordinator, I like him too, Ted Roof, who he's been around the blockchain 33 years coaching college football. He's actually coached in the SEC before. He was Auburn's defensive coordinator back in 2010 when they won the national title. He was at Appy State last year, you know, of course – the drink of wits just went to missouri but uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason he didn't bring the defensive coordinator so ted roof now he lands here at vanderbilt and uh, i don't know i think these are some quality hires for vanderbilt and i think they two they made two upgrades at each of these coordinator positions
1: yeah i like it uh, i don't know much about him, so i'm not gonna act like i do I, I know that that one guy he's been around for 30 years they both have aren't they aren't they? so they're I mean, they're seasoned vets, you know. Got some old-timers out there at coordinator spot. But, uh, no, I dig it.
2: I mean, it has to be better than what we saw last year. Exactly. And, I mean, we went away from, you know, Coach Mason guys. Obviously, you don't want to be surrounded by your friends if they're not getting the job done. Obviously, the results were poor last year for Vanderbilt. No need to rehash that. But now he's got some veteran guys here, some guys that have consistently got it done all over the SEC region, uh, you know, all over the South. Uh, and it, that's, I mean, that's critical more than any other school in the SEC at Vanderbilt. You've got to be able to coach above your talent because more often than not, you are not going to have the talent advantage. So once again, I just really like these hires by Vanderbilt. I dig it. All right, Shane, let's jump to Fayetteville real quick here, where Woo pig. The help Sam Pittman himself was on a coaching tear here. Because they've, uh, I mean, they're turning around, they're stealing assistance left and right from SEC schools. Uh, Sam Pittman, he's made his defensive line hire, stole Derek LeBlanc from Kentucky. So Kentucky's defensive line coach jumps to Arkansas. I really like that hire. Jimmy Smith, running back's coach. He's the new running back coach at Arkansas. He was at Georgia State. Sorry to bring that up, Shane. He was a Georgia State's running back coach. But before that, he was a Georgia high school coach so that suggests to me that they're you know they're really trying to get into the state of the Georgia Sam Pittman obviously very familiar with that area so you know he's he knows the high school coaches he knows Jimmy Smith and the job he did off the top of my head I can't recall which high school he was at but this is really going to help Arkansas in that aspect and then speaking of Georgia Shane Sam Pittman stole away Georgia special teams coordinator Scott Fountain this guy's an outstanding special teams coach. He's worked for Georgia a number of years, and previously to that, he was at Auburn. And you think of Georgia, Shane, and you know, in addition to outstanding defense, you think Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, their punter was outstanding this year, so mm-hmm. you're getting a special teams coordinator with SEC experience, and the fact you're stealing them away from Georgia, I think that's a huge win there for Arkansas, and then st- staying right there with stealing from Georgia. Uh, Arkansas has named their head strength coach, Jamal Walker, who was the associate strength coach at Georgia. So they've taken the number two and the number three guy, Ed Ellis, also coming to Arkansas. So, you know, I'm throwing a lot of names at you there, Shane, but just in my opinion, Sam Pittman, I mean, he's really rounding out his staff here. You know, you know he's it's a mix of veterans and a mix of high school recruiting. And then here you go, stealing one of Kentucky's underrated – assistants i've said it before based on this coordinator hires but i really think sam Pittman. i know this is his first time as a head coach but i think he's knocking these assistant hires out of the park
1: absolutely and i was just looking up the the high school
2: cedar grove high school
1: is where uh, he was at helped them win back-to-back cha- uh, state championships
2: and that's what you got to do when you're trying to when you're arkansas and you want to recruit georgia you got to get a mm-hmm. high school coach, a successful high school coach. You know, so his assistants are probably down there now as the head coaches. You know what I mean? So yeah, he knows absolutely. everyone in there. They're going to, you think, you know, Georgia's going to get their guys down there. Florida, Tennessee, they're going to get their guys. But if there's a guy who's a little too short or a little too thin, but he's an all mm-hmm. state player, I mean, Arkansas, these are the guys they're going to be pulling out of there. Yeah, I just think. Uh, the, it just the arrow continues to point up there in Fayetteville to me.
1: Absolutely. So, just fun fact, that's where Jaden Hazelwood. Mm-hmm. Remember him? Yes, Oklahoma sir. Oklahoma Sooner. That's where he went to school. So, mm-hmm. all right, just all right. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all the inside I got on these assistant coaches. <laughs> a little Google search.
2: <laughs> Let's kick it down to Knoxville, Shane, where your squad. Unfortunate news here for Tennessee. Running backs coach David Johnson has officially left for the same position at Florida State. Now he is going to get a recruiting coordinator role as well at Florida State. So it is a little bit of a promotion there. And he previously worked for Mike Norvell. Gets a little bit closer to, I believe, his son. I think that's part of the reason he's making this move. But David Johnson's doing a good job with the. Uh, Tennessee's running backs in the last two years or last year. He was coaching receivers before that, before T. Martin came on staff. And David Johnson has been uh, vital to Tennessee recruiting the city of Memphis. So this is going to be a big loss for Tennessee. And I'm hearing, uh, you know, there's a lot of names out there, but I know for a fact that uh, Pruitt has already interviewed Joe Osafet, the uh, offensive analyst down there from, they got him from Asa College two years ago. He is Mm -hmm. in the running to potentially join Tennessee staff as a in a full time role, but that is not official as of yet. Um, But thoughts on Tennessee losing David Johnson, Shane?
1: Oh, I didn't like it. You know, I kept trying to. I mean, that's what you want. Yeah, I mean, you things are good when your assistant coaches are getting picked from. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That thing, you're moving in the right direction. So, so it's tough for me to be too negative about this but what I do not like is the fact that like you said he had a huge uh, impact in Memphis recruiting mm-hmm. so who fills that road that that uh, that
2: role you know right well to me while that is a concern to be sure, I think it's more about Tennessee like you said they've they've got a number of guys from Memphis now they didn't really have much of a presence there at all under Butch Jones. And I'm not suggesting that David Johnson leaving is not going to hurt at all, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as Tennessee fans think. I think really what it comes down to is you're looking at guys like Eric Gray and Jerome Carvin, and you got the linebackers coming in this year that just got signed, and potentially Jeremy Banks coming back. If these guys continue their progression at Tennessee, particularly Eric Gray, who looks mm-hmm. like he's going to be the starting running back. He may be one of the key players on the team next year. If those players do well on Tennessee, I think that's a better recruiting sales pitch than anything David Johnson could say to them. You know, it's it's because all these kids have a relationship with each other. You know, Eric Gray knew the kids, the linebackers, that are, that just signed with Tennessee. And there's yeah. going to be kids in Memphis now that are – you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and uh, upcoming seniors that know them. So it, it's a cycle where you look at, uh, you know, Alabama, they do outstanding right now with South Florida receivers. And why is that? Yeah. It's, it's because of Julio. It's because of, uh, you know, Jerry Judy. I mean, it's like you create your own pipeline by doing well. So while, yes, David Johnson is probably going to hurt a little bit, Tennessee recruiting in Memphis – I think uh, Tennessee makes that ground back up by just having these kids come to Tennessee, perform well. And I think it kind of creates a pipeline of its own. That's a good point, man.
1: I mean, I think about when I was in school, There's a a guy, uh, he got recruited up Penn State. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, man, there was always just kind of a soft spot for Penn State, you know, going forward just because one of your guys got to go up there and play. So I see what you're saying. And, and that makes sense. The more that we have in there, because we've got a lot. we got a lot in this class. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, a few of those pop as well, I mean, it, it'd be hard not to it, to take notice, you know. And I'm sure Tennessee will do a great job in letting everybody know how great those Memphis boys are doing at the
2: University of Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chad. so we got a little bit of a recruiting update. What? This is not a four-year decision, this is a 40-year decision. Come to the University of South Carolina and you'll be successful the next 40 years.
1: Recruiting and retaining is our top priority. We're coming. We're coming fast, we're coming at you. The jet's fueled up, we're ready to go. He was my guy from the get-go. I watched all of them across the country. I, I truly believe Zach is as good of a quarterback as there is in the United States. I really. His arm talent, his ability to run, and create plays and make guys around him like an old-school quarterback. It's just he can do everything.
0: We have more players in the league than anybody else. We're playing the greatest stadium. We're playing the greatest conference, and we're LSU Tigers. If you love the purple and gold, go come play for us.
2: All right, Shane. So for anyone that missed it here on, I believe it was, uh, these days are running together here, but I I think it was Thursday (laughs) was the uh, Under Armour All-American game. And we had a couple of commitments in that game, but only one from the SEC, if I'm not mistaken. And that would be a big pickup here, already signed. He was just announced his commitment and announced that he had already signed, but five-star athlete slash tight end Darnell Washington from Las Vegas, Signed, announced it during the Under Armour All-American Game with Georgia. That's huge for the Bulldogs because, well, any time you get a five-star tight end who's six foot seven, two hundred fifty-five pounds, that's pretty huge. But it's compounded by the fact that uh, they beat out Alabama and Tennessee for this kid. And we know Georgia's issues with the tight end position in recent seasons. I know they had to, uh, you know, obviously get the graduate transfer Eli Wolf. So. If Darnell Washington can come, come in there and pick up the system right away, I mean, there's an outstanding chance he's starting tight end for Georgia next season. Absolutely.
1: He looks 45, you know. <laughs> he's, got, Did you see
2: he's, <laughs> he's
1: holding his grandkid <laughs> up in that one picture. Did you see that?
2: <laughs> but that wasn't all the good news for Georgia because on Saturday was the All-American Bowl, the 2020 All-American Bowl, and we had a number of SEC Commitments and one signee, the nation's number one cornerback prospect, five star Kaylee Ringo, announced he had signed with Georgia as well. So, not only is Georgia getting the number one athlete in Darnell Washington, getting the number one corner in Kaylee Ringo. That's another pickup there for uh, Kirby Smart and Company that pushes them closer to the number one recruiting class, but they're not quite there yet. And a big part of that, Shane. So there's also a little bit of a drama here. Should have mentioned this with the uh, Under Armour All-American game, but five-star running back, number one re- running back in the nation, Zach Evans was scheduled to announce his commitment. Well, he, apparently he's already signed. He was going to announce where he was going to play, and he did not do it during the live, the live game, you know, televised game. He apologized for some of his actions in high school and. This is the kid, Shane, where, I mean, he got sent home from, you know, the Texas State game, the, the yeah. state championship game, and there's been speculation that he was committed to Texas, to LSU, to Alabama, to Georgia, and now the latest is apparently he has signed with Georgia, but he does not intend to play there. So what? <laughs> I don't know what in the world – I mean, I really don't. I have no knowledge of the background of of what's going on here, but the la- like they won't let him in, or I don't think he. I think they will take him, but I don't think he's he's gonna go there now. I don't. I really don't. <laughs> this this guy's been going twenty different directions at all times, so he may back end back up at Georgia. But uh, before we hopped on this podcast, the latest is he's planning to go to Texas A and M. So, mm. and that'll probably change by Monday morning. But <laughs> that <laughs> I plan on watching him on Last Chance YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but the just, but the but the fact he signed and didn't announce it that tells you something is is very fishy here. Something's very I don't even know what the what the word is here. It's just wonky. You know, if he was going to Georgia, yeah. he would have announced it. Not not to say that he won't end up there, but if he was. If he was intending to go to Georgia on Saturday or to, this was the, sorry, I'm getting confused here. If he was planning on going on Thursday during the Under Armour All-American game, he would have said it. He didn't say it. And the latest is now that, uh, you know, he wants out of that letter of intent and we'll see where he ends up. He still got till, you know, hell February or, or what have you to to enroll. At. He was planning to uh, be an early enrollee. And those guys are reporting to mm. campus this weekend. So, I mean, this is just a weird one, and uh, it it could go any direction. I like I said, I got no inside information on where he's gonna wind up, but um, I just I'm not feeling too good about Georgia based on what we know, given the fact that he signed with them and he's not there and he's not committed to him. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it worries me too. I mean, because there is a lot of baggage with this kid, and and you know, I hope you know he. Gets older, gets maybe once he gets into that college setting, he'll he'll do better. But sometimes, sometimes they don't, man. You know, and they may they may I don't know they may be bad for a locker room. You never know. Right. Uh, so I I just hope whoever gets them, you know, just you know gets him back on the right path and because uh, he is a hell of an athlete and and definitely could make an impact on any team next year so
2: absolutely let's
1: just you know i i hate i hate seeing young talent make mistakes and you know this kid's just it feels like he's tripping right out of the gate you know mm-hmm.
2: well and then we got some other commitments here once again these were from the all-american bowl lsu lands four-star cornerback dwight mcglotherham the number 25 cornerback in the nation from Texas, so that's a nice pickup. Florida got uh, arguably the biggest pickup from the game. They got four-star receiver Xavier Henderson, uh, the younger brother of C.J. Henderson from Miami. He picked the Gators. He's a uh, number 10 overall receiver in the nation, so that's a hell of a pickup. Dan Mullen and company losing a bunch of receivers. They're going to need this kid to come in and play some somewhat next year. Uh, Kentucky, they're continuing their role here. They picked up another All-American. Four-star safety Vito Tisdale from Bowling Green picked Kentucky, the number 33 safety in the nation, number three overall prospect from Kentucky. So Mark Stoops and company killing it in recruiting yet again. And then finally, Texas A&M, Shane, four-star outside linebacker Edrin Cooper from Louisiana, the number 18 outside linebacker in the nation during the All-American Bowl announced he's committed to Texas A&M. So that's a little roundup of all the uh, SEC commitments from over the weekend.
1: I like to hear stuff like that.
2: All right, Shane, last thing I got before we hop off here, let's jump on down to Tuscaloosa real quick. Roll Tide! Tua is going to make his official announcement on Monday, and there was speculation of how it was going to be done and when it was going to be done. Now we know for sure, Shane, 11 a.m. Central Noon Eastern Time. Alabama's holding a press conference. Tua, Nick Saban, set to meet with the media. We have no idea what Tua's decision will be. Now we got. Um, there's a long list here. I've worked up of all the guys coming back and going pro and all that. I was going to get into it on this episode, but uh, we're like I said, we're doing this really late, so I don't. We're going to hold off on that. We're going to. We will get to that. But it, and it also seems kind of silly to do that before the biggest one of all, Tua, makes his decision. So once Tua makes that decision, we'll break all those down for all the teams so far, players that are announced or coming back. But uh, before Tua makes his decision, Shane and I just thought it would be kind of interesting, maybe discuss it a little bit here and make our predictions for what Tua will do. And keep in mind, once again, Monday, 11 o'clock Central, 12 or noon Eastern time, Tua will be making his announcement. What does he do at that time, Shane?
1: I think, Mike, we're gonna see a little game of dominoes down there in Alabama. And unfortunately for the Alabama Crimson Tide fans, I think one at a time these guys are going to decide to go to the NFL. And it's all going to start with Tua. Well not not start with Tua. Judy's already gone. But I think Tua comes out, and then I'm gonna. I, I think we're gonna start seeing a few pieces fall from this uh, from this group, and uh, and they're gonna be left holding the bag, man. I, I just, I, that's what I think. I think Saban did his job. I think he did everything he could to convince these boys to come back, mm-hmm. but it all. It all hinged on Tua, and I think the worst thing that could have happened was the timing of Mel coming out saying he's the third pick in the NFL draft because, you know, here we're trying – they're down there trying to convince him that, you know, hey, come back and you'll you'll be a top five pick. Well, here's Mel saying you're going to be the third pick in the NFL draft. His parents are watching ESPN. You know, they they know that I'm sure the NFL, especially some of these guys that want to keep him as agents, have reached out to, the, uh, to his family and let them know and say, hey, if he's going to come, now's the time. Because if he gets hurt, then all the money's off the board. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's gone.
2: Well, Shane.
1: Tell me why I'm right, Mike. Tell me why I'm right.
2: I think you're wrong. I think he's coming back based on, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody really knows, but I have heard some speculation that the family is kind of torn on their decision. The Father wants him to go pro Tua wants to come back and his dad may have to beat him with the belt because two is <laughs> not going to listen to him. I think he's coming back. I don't know. I think he's just for whatever reason, I think uh, he's, more interested in coming back, healing up, really proving himself. And it seems like a lot of these kids are on a mission to – and I think it it hurts the rest of the SEC, if you want to say it that way, that LSU is doing so well because Alabama knows that should be them or they think it should be them, you know. If they yeah. they would have beaten LSU, they'd be in the college football playoff. They'd be right there facing Clemson. That's what all these kids were hoping to do this year and they never got that opportunity. A big part of that, obviously, is because Tua got it hurt. Now, if you're asking me if I was Tua, what would I do? I There would be no hesitation. I would go to the NFL. We've seen him get hurt every single season. And, hell, now we're seeing him get hurt multiple times. I mean, it's terrible. I hate to see him get hurt because he's looking at a career where he's I mean, I don't even know the numbers, but we're talking $100 million he's going to make in the NFL if he's healthy. So I hope and pray that he is so that he can make that money. But if he takes a terrible shot or two here next season and comes back, he may never play in the NFL. So I I don't want to see that. I don't want him to see him take that risk. But just because it's a risk doesn't mean it's going to happen. And I think that's, you know, he's obviously, uh, I've referenced it before, he's real big on his faith and, if he if he's being pulled in that direction and i think he is uh, i think he's going to come back and and i hope and pray it's the right decision and he doesn't get hurt and uh, maybe we're sitting here talking next year you know him versus trevor lawrence number one pick in the nfl i mean that's going to be the kind of talk i think if he comes back so i expect him to come back i th- kind of have been believing that since he made this official date announcement it just seems very unusual to me that he's, when he picked that date, it says to me that the decision was already made. So, I think he's coming back, but like I said, I don't know. We'll, I think we could both be right on on this one. I just, I really have no, no inkling on on what he's really going to end up doing. I hope you're right. I hope you're right, but I think you're wrong.
1: <laughs> just, I, I just, I don't know. It just feels like LSU was a great story, and. and Committing on coming back and stuff was was great last weekend, but now, you know, it's been a week since college football, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of wearing off a little bit. and And now people are talking about money. You know, mm-hmm. Judy's running around, Lord knows what he's bought already. Now that he's committed, you know, what I'm saying, and, right. and, and, and who's to say that he ain't texting these boys and say, "Hey, man, I'm talking to my agent here. He says, Rugs, if you come now." You're going to be a you're going to be a first rounder, and you're missing out on millions of dollars. And and then if Rugs goes, does does that influence too? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. I think Tua's is mind's already made up. The fact he's given a date, but I don't think it's going to make the decision easier. Especially on some of these kids, I think are kind of in limbo based on what Tua's is going to do. And I'm I'm sure Tua's has told them, but I don't know. I just have this I just have this gut feeling that some of these guys are just going to change their mind and commit to the NFL. Uh, We've seen the linebacker Mm -hmm. potentially doing it. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing some of these other other cats decide to go.
2: Yeah, and I don't really care how hurt he is. I do not see any way, even if he can't work out for these teams, I don't think there's any way he is not a first-round pick. Like someone's going to take that chance on him, whether it's New England, who looks like they need a new quarterback (laughs) now. Or if it's Miami Dolphins who got like four picks, or I think the Raiders got a couple picks. They're you know, they're looking I mean, there's in the NFL, we said it on this podcast, obviously we don't follow the NFL on this show, but if you don't got a quarterback, you don't really have a shot to win in the NFL. So yeah. somebody is gonna take a chance on him and it's probably gonna be high in the draft just because of his upside. So that's what I'd be telling Tua, take that chance it, and uh and go go make your money and if you want to look at it from Alabama's perspective as well, I think if he comes back, that's kind of it's not that you don't want him back, but it's almost like an issue if he does come back because you got this five-star yeah. quarterback coming in who he uh young who actually won MVP of the All-American Bowl. You got Talia Baby Tua there. You got yeah. Mac Jones balling out. You got uh the grandson of uh, or great-grandson of the Bear. I mean, how many quarterbacks can you have? I mean, it, there's going to be transfers if he comes back. And yeah. like I said, you, you're obviously you're going to take two if he wants to come back. But at the same time, it almost just makes sense for him to go get paid and for this quarterback, this deep quarterback room, to kind of work itself out without him next season. It kind of makes more I'm kind of talking myself into him going pro, but I just think <laughs> he's going to announce that he's back. I I really don't know why, but that's kind of where I'm feeling right now.
1: And even if you do slip a little bit to it, what does that mean? You're just on a better team.
2: You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody's check, uh, chasing that second offer. You know, when you when you settle, what is it, three years, you got to stick with a team and then
2: you can renegotiate or something like that. I don't know how long it, it is. Just, yeah, had just up. become the new Aaron Rodgers. You know, he had, he had to sit behind Brett Favre for a little while, and then when it was his time, he took over, and he had a hell of a team got he paid. took over.
1: Yeah absolutely didn't miss a beat so Tom Brady same thing you know Drew Bledsoe got him there and you know next thing you know Tom Brady just steps in so uh, I just think you know there's a there's a little bit of you know win-win situation but I don't know i I, maybe I'm just pumping myself up because I want Bama to fall back a little bit to earth you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm probably wrong they're probably all coming back, Mark, and they're going to run a powerhouse next year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Shane. So that's all I got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here?
1: No, Mike. Uh, this was we were going to do a quick one, but this one turned out to be a pretty long one. But we're going to get back on here. We're going to have some
2: Tua reaction tomorrow, uh, and we got a whole bunch of other good stuff too. Absolutely, Shane. So that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And if you made it this far, please don't forget to uh, give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple uh, Podcasts. That really grows and helps the show out. We do appreciate each and every one of those. But I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.